I don't, I don't know if, um, I don't know, Larry, if you included it specifically in your prayers, but we should, um, we should pr- say a prayer for those who are, uh, um, those who are traveling today, or who, who are out of town, or those who might be traveling um, later this week. Spring break is happening in Houston County, so um, we, should, we should pray for those who are traveling, um, which actually prompts me a little bit to, uh, to think about a scenario that maybe has happened to you. You're, uh, you're cruising down the interstate, you know, divided highway. You're not worried about stuff coming, you know, across you, you know, and, uh, and, and they got them smooth because the DOT does a great job. And, uh, you know, and, and no, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it's just smooth and it's good and you're driving along. And, and so the speed limit's 70. You might be doing 70, Vin, Vinny says. You might be moving with traffic, officer. That's all. That's all I mean. You know, you might be moving with traffic. Say you're doing 75 miles an hour and you're, you're cruising along, right? You with me? Everybody in the car with me? You know, hands at the wheel. And, uh, and then, you come up on, then you come up on an accident. I mean, n- no ambulance, but the cars are, the cars are dinged up and the, the people are all standing around and they're going, I don't know how this happened or I know how, you know, right? You know, and, and the cars are beat up, right? And, uh. Maybe, maybe it's so bad that they, they take the traffic cones. The police officers take the traffic cones, the state patrol, and they, and they, and they, they move it down to one lane, right? Now, here's my question for you. After, after everybody's slowed down and done this, <coughs> right, to see what happened, how fast are you going right after you pass? Anybody in the room slowed down a little bit? Isn't that right? That's human nature, right? To slow down a little bit after, after you see the wreck, after you... This is a different principle than slowing down, but it's exactly the same, actually. Slowing down after you see the state patrol that's hidden up there on the side. I mean, it's the same principle. Why, why are you slowing down after you see the thing? Right? Because now here's my question. Here's my question. And it, it's, it's, it's a math question, but everybody in the room knows the answer already. It's a math question, right? Before you get to the cone, what, <clears throat> let me, what's the difference between the probability you could be involved in an accident before you get to the cone versus the probability you can be involved in an accident after you pass the cone? What's the difference? Is there any difference? Any math teachers in the room? Who are my math teachers? Huh? There you go. Is there a difference between the probabilities? Would you agree, categorically, it's the same probability? So why do you slow down after you see it? There is a fancy psychological term. This is, by the way, this is the part of the sermon where I tell you what really smart people have determined. And I repeat it back so it looks like I'm smart too. You ready? Is that that's what's going on? There's a really fancy psychological term from the world of social science and really even, even our, our, our brains and how they work called a heuristic. A heuristic. I actually, um, I got the definition here. It says this. It says, a heuristic technique is any approach to problem solving, learning or discovery that employs a practical method. Listen, not guaranteed to be optimal or perfect, but sufficient for the immediate goals. See, the, the way our brains work is we have these techniques we use, right? 
these techniques we use to try to make problem solving and decision making easier. But let's be clear, they're not perfect. They're not even necessarily optimal, but, but they work for us. One of the heuristics that our brains employ is something called the availability heuristic. Now hang with me, promise, promise this is going to turn out good. The availability hu- heuristic, which says that when you see a thing, that when it is in front of you, that when the data of a thing is available to your brain, the availability heuristic, that it actually skews and changes your decision making. So that when you see the accident, you slow down. Even though the likelihood of you getting in an accident beforehand was exactly the same. And and it's it's not just traffic cones in the street that this is true for. I don't, I, mean, I don't know how many folks in the room um, uh, invest uh, directly or indirectly in the stock market, but maybe you know somebody. So this will be a part of the sermon I'm preaching about somebody else, okay? So I'm not stepping on your toes. Um, I'll get to that later. Anybody know someone that invests in the stock market, right? Does anybody, does anybody know anybody, right, that when the stock market has two bad days in a row, they are flipping out? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody know? That, you know okay, don't raise your hand then. Okay, um... <coughs> Anybody know anybody? The stock market, right? Flipping out. Oh my gosh, Dow Jones, S&P, Russell's. I can't believe it. Two bad days. Does anybody know historically what the stock market has done for, say, the last 125 years? What's it done? Gone up. Would you say consistently? Over, over its history, what's the stock market done? made people a bunch of money. And this is a good thing. I mean, this is a good thing. What is it about two bad days? What is it about one bad report that has people flipping the wheel? That has people going, oh my gosh, everything I've ever done is wrong. It was one bad day. What what, what is it about the bad phone call? The bad email? What is it about the bad report? What, 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 what is it about the one bad grade? Every kid's looking at their parents. It was just one bad grade. What is it about the one bad grade that has us flipping out in this parenthood of life thing we have going on? Right? Seriously, there's some students right now that love me um, <coughs> for telling that to their parents. What is that about? So here's my question. What drives our thinking? What drives our thinking? Are we we the boat? Are we the boat on the water that is blown in the direction of every changing wind? Are we on a vessel that is captained by someone who knows that even when the wind blows, there is a rudder and a motor or a sail that actually can determine where we're going. Which is it? Are we blown by by whatever is in front of us? Or do we have some control over the way we think? 
Because the way we think massively impacts who we are. Turn with me in the Bible to uh, Psalm 126. I'd love it if you, um, if you opened the Bibles that you brought with you or pulled up on a device. It's Psalm 126. And I'll say just quickly as a reminder, if you're, if you're visiting with us or if, if you weren't here last week or the week before, what we've been doing is that we've been, we've been reading the Bible, a particular section of the Bible, getting ourselves ready for Easter. Getting ourselves ready for Easter. Because I believe, I believe that preparing ourselves for Easter is this long obedience in the same direction. And that getting ourselves for, ready for Easter, one way to do that is to read, listen, to read the Psalms that in particular that Jesus, his disciples, and all of the faithful people of Jesus' time, and for really hundreds of years, would have read, would have memorized, would have sung on their travels up to Jerusalem, just like Jesus would have been traveling up to Jerusalem. So this is another way of saying, Jesus knew these words, memorized them, and was singing them just weeks or even days before the events of that last Passover in his life. This, this was fresh on his mind. And this is what it says. It's Psalm 126 because Jesus wants us to be prepared for Easter like he was. It says, When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. It was even said at that time among the nations. Now, time out for a second. In the Old Testament, there is a pejorative term. That's a really fancy word for There is a term that is meant to just poke at and really lump people together. Anytime, I, I, think this, I think I can stand right on this. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when it refers to the nations, quote unquote, when it refers to the nations, it's talking about those guys over there. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when it refers to the nations, it's talking about the people, you know, over there, the bad guys, the other guys, the bad, I mean, right? And yet here, even the bad guys are making comments about how God has saved God's people. It says there, it was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That's how, that's how amazing and, 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 and just life-altering God's salvation was that even the other guys were talking about it. And then comes verse 3. This is the hinge verse in this psalm. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are overjoyed. See, it's the hinge verse because the previous two verses, the beginning of this psalm that Jesus would have memorized and sung, the first two verses were about the past. It says, God has saved us, and we remember it. But then, but then it transitions to the present and to the future. It says in verse 4, Lord, change our circumstances for the better, like dry streams in the desert waste. Let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. Let those who go out crying and carrying their seed carry home, excuse me, come home with joyful shouts carrying bales of grain. This, 
This is the word of God for the we, we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. The hinge verse in the middle is what transitions from the past and remembering the joy of how God has saved us to the future. And in the future, or even in the present, as it's described here, things aren't necessarily great. I mean, it says that. It, it says, Lord, change our circumstances for the better, right? Change our circumstances for the better. Because, because here's the thing. It, it's important that we remember the past with joy, but it's just as important that we never deny that there is also sadness in our life. Let me, let me say it this way. Any preacher you know, including myself, any Sunday school teacher you have, any, 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 any television show, any Bible study, any book, anything of any influence, any person of any influence in your life that tells you about the one and doesn't talk enough about the other is not preaching the gospel. Because it's not the gospel for someone to walk up to you and say, I can't believe that you're sad right now. You should be filled with joy. Everything is joy. Joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart. Joy, I mean, it's all joy. It's joy all the time. It's 24 hours of joy. I mean, I, why, why are you sad? Don't you know that Jesus saved you? Jesus saved you. You shouldn't be sad about anything. Nothing bad has ever happened to you, Jennifer. Well, you know what I'm saying? Nothing is that. Why are you? Why, why are you? Just as bad as the person over here that says, I can't believe that you could be happy with all the bad stuff happening in the world. I mean, it's, 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 it's as far as from the gospel for, for the other person to say, you know what, woe is me, all is bad, nothing good, nothing good. I got up this morning thinking about this, and the words came across my head, and I, and I thought, I won't tell them that because they, it upset them, but... But I think that there is a department in hell that has been given an unlimited budget to support the ministries of three particular news channels. What, what's on the screen right now? Three different channels. Terror warning, breaking news, alert, alert, alert. Right? And I've said this before. I probably say it once, a, once or twice a month because you need to hear it. Right? I don't blame them. They're doing it because it sells. But if all you watched was one of those three channels, and I'm being nonpartisan here, they're all three the work of the devil. In, in, the, in the ways that they would have us believe the lie, listen, believe the lie that there's a traffic cone set up for every second of our lives. That there is something terrible that's happened and they put it right in front of our face. 
I mean, they take the availability heuristic and they, they put it, they, they just, they, they put it on like steroids. It's just right there in front of our face. Bad, bad, bad. Alter your way of thinking. Change who you are. I mean, there's a place for the traffic cones. But are the traffic cones supposed to change who we are afterwards? And not before also? How do we live with this joy? I, um, you know, I don't do this a lot. I, I, don't, I don't stand in front of you and read big sections of what other people have said a lot. But would it be okay? I, I, I got something that I'd like to read. Um, I don't know why the printer thinks that it needs to be on giant font um, like that. That's like a 50,000 font right there. But if it's all right, this is from Eugene Peterson. Uh, and this is him writing on Psalm 126. And it's, it's like I said, it's about, it's about three short paragraphs. And uh, here we go. Peterson says, Joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It is a consequence. It is not what we have to acquire in order to experience life in Christ. It is what comes to us when we are walking in the way of faith and obedience. We come to God and to the revelation of God's ways because none of us have it, in, have it within ourselves except momentarily to be joyous. Joy is a product of abundance. It is the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously. It is exuberance. Inadequate sinners as we are, none of us can manage that for very long. On our own. You, you don't have the ability to just manufacture joy up inside for very long on your own. So what do we do? We try to get it through entertainment. Everybody stick your toes out a little bit because it's coming. We pay someone to make jokes. To tell stories to perform dramatic actions, to sing songs. We buy the vitality of another's imagination to divert and enliven our own poor lives. The enormous entertainment industry in America is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. Society is a bored, gluttonous king employing a court gesture to divert it after an overindulgent meal. But that kind of joy never penetrates our lives, never changes our basic constitution. The effects are extremely temporary, a few minutes, a few hours, a few days at most. When we run out of money, the joy trickles away. We cannot make ourselves joyful. Joy cannot be commandment, commanded, purchased, or arranged. But there is something we can do. We can decide to live in response to the abundance of God and not under the dictatorship of our own poor needs. Whew. The entertainment industry in America is evidence of the depletion of joy in my life. Because I go somewhere else to buy it. 
It doesn't have to be that way. We, we, we don't have to be slaves to the thing that pops right up in front of us. To be a Christian is to step back and to see the whole arc of history and to say, no, 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 it's not about the one tick down. It's not about the one accident. And it's not about the one, one loss. There is something bigger happening here. And my only response to that is joy. It's, it's, it's bigger than the one bad day. bigger than that this is what paul says in the new testament you've heard the old testament say live with joy this is what paul says in the new testament it's philippians 4 he says be glad in the lord always again i say be glad now a lot of you grew up and you heard that same verse and it was rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice but here the common english says be glad and the Lord always, again I say, be glad. It's the Old Testament, it's the New Testament, and they're singing the same song. And the song is, I don't care, I don't care about the one bad thing that you saw. I don't care about the two bad things. I don't care about a month or a season or a year of bad things. That doesn't mean everything's bad. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem. He still has joy. He still has joy. There's a Chris Chris Tomlin's lyrics for the song that we'll sing now. In the chorus it says, All my fountains are in you. You're strong like a river. Your love is running through. All my fountains are in you. I believe, I believe that grace is the stuff that is flowing around us and through us. And this is the truth. Bigger than a bad day or or a bad moment or a bad whatever, there is cause to be joyful. That to be a Christian and the long walk of obedience is to remember with joy the past and even in the midst of difficult circumstances to have joy and hope for what God will do. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are abundance. It, it, it is true that, that, that you're the source of water, that all fountains are in you, Lord. You give abundantly. We don't sit as those in denial of the bad things. Bad things are happening. And some of us, some of us right now, we're still racked with grief. Some of us right now are still living with loss. 
Some of us have questions that, that don't even have answers. But, but gracious God, there is more to this life than any of that. And I confess that I've not always lived that way. That I've, too, that I've too quickly focused on the one bad, the two bad, the three bad things and tried to create a, a new equation for how those things now explain life when in fact they don't. Lord, I confess and I repent. I turn around and seek your face, O oh God. Lord, give us all the courage to turn around, to turn away from dourness, from, to turn away from pessimism, to turn away from all that the devil would have us believe. And instead to live in the abundance of your goodness. Lord, this is my prayer for me, and this is my prayer for all of us. Give us the strength to, to go forth as those who are glad and joyful, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen.